KV Mart stores are rooted in the communities we serve, and we are connected to the land in the same way our customers are. Whether you're an urban farmer, backyard chicken aficionado, traditional rancher, or anything in between, we offer just the right mix of homesteading, outdoor adventure, DIY, yard and garden, outdoor and workwear, husbandry, livestock, and pet supplies. Whether you're a dabbler or all-in, we're here to help and strive to offer a range of products that will meet the unique needs of our customers. PV Mart will always be there with the tools, equipment, indoor or outdoor wares, seed or feed, for everyday work, fun, or connecting to the land on a whole new level. For more information, go to pvmart.com. Hi, I'm Ian Sherwood. As a songwriter and musician, I've traveled through countless small towns, heard incredible stories, and witnessed some of the amazing ways in which people in towns and cities across this vast country have woven their lives into the land they live on. It's made me think about the way I interact with my own environment and the natural world, where my family's food comes from, what impact I'm having on the planet, and what we're all leaving behind for our kids to inherit. So now I'm on a mission to learn about how I can tap back into the essence of where we all come from. Today, with so much at our fingertips, it's easy to lose sight of the most important connection we have. Welcome to Connected to the Land. If you look out your window, what do you see? Sure, we're a couple weeks into spring at this point, but depending on where you are in the country, it may seem more like old man winter is still kicking back with his feet in your freezer. But you know that the warm weather is coming, eventually. And when it does, as we approach another year of social distancing and isolated free time, we're going to want to turn to our own yards for tranquility. And those of us outside the big city limits, well, that might be an easy transition. But what about those who have less space to relax into? How can we transition from our homes into nature in a way that feels natural? And where does one even start with that? I called up Paul LaFrance, outdoor space designer and HGTV superhost, to chat about exactly this. And honestly, I thought we'd just be talking about building a back deck, but our conversation moved more into his philosophy on our involvement with nature, our comfort zones in our backyards, and his truly unique trajectory into building and design. He shared wisdom gained from his challenging formative years, his love of Lego, and even a little bit about his musical past. Oh, and having a hunter brain in a farmer society. Paul, thanks so much for joining me on Connected to the Land. My pleasure, man. This is a, I like the concept of this podcast. Let's rock right into it. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Uh, well, listen, we're going to talk a lot about decks and making decks and building decks and backyards and whatnot, but I, I want to maybe start a little bit with your background and how you got started in building and designing. Well, then, um, well, in our previous conversation, you had mentioned that you were that you are a musician, mm -hmm. and uh, ditto, buddy. That's that's my background. Yeah. I am a music guy. I'm a singer songwriter, and um, the without taking up the entire podcast with the history, um, I've always been a, a, a very much a counterculture guy, and so that was kind of how I ended up morphing into music and. As the poster child for adult ADHD as well, which I didn't find out until I was 35, which was now 12 years ago. So I've just given you my age, if you can do math. Yeah. Um, looking back at how my kind of journey began, it's really kind of, it's, it's cool to understand that 
with the whole stigma to do with, you know, those of us who are ADHD, which is, which I define as more as the hunter brain in a, in a farmer society, which is, uh, which I think is why this podcast is interesting. Hmm. Um, I ended up, you know, getting, kind of getting booted out of high school. Um, fortunately I got booted out of high school knowing I was smart. I just didn't fit, you know, it was like tired of being content, continually, uh, around peg, trying to continually be pounded into a square hole. So, so I took some risks uh, after leaving high school. The first one was getting married, which uh, anyone who's married knows that can be scary. Uh, but, you know, hey, let's go for the adrenaline rush. And my wife and I are now 25 years married which with wow. four uh, teenage wow. daughters, which is uh, it's amazing that I have hair and I'm not an alcoholic just on, on, on that in that capacity. So I kind of uh, we got married and, and then we got this mortgage thing. I think people have heard of this. You buy like a yeah. house and you get like this mortgage. You know, it's it's in the manual. It's in the the uh, the societal manual that Dude, is given I, to everyone. I'm 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 still squarely on page one with you on everything so far. This is uh, all <laughs> ticking all the boxes. Right. All right. Okay. So then, uh, so because of this, the aforementioned mortgage, um, my wife said this thing to me like, "Well, honey, you you're not going to be able to like gig to uh, make uh, money. Uh, so you're going to have to do this job thing that uh, we've also read about." And uh, so I ended up working at a bookstore for a year, which um, for a, an ADHD fella like myself, uh, was pretty much a sentence into the seventh circle of hell. Uh, <laughs> so, so one day my buddy comes up to me and says, uh, and says, Paul, uh, you can clearly tell that you're uh, that you need to get out of working in this bookstore because you're, you know, you're, you're coming into work buying laxative to put into people's coffee just to break the monotony. <laughs> And I was like, please, like he could have come along to me at that point and been like, Paul, I work in a sewer and, um, you know, there might be alligators, uh, but I'd be like, whatever it is, I'll take it. Like, just get me the hell out right, of this bookstore. Right. And, uh, so I showed up on this job site, you know, and this is, this is, uh, 1997 and I had never used power tools ever in my life. I had never, I, I, you know, I was just. I was journeying along like most teenagers were. And at this point, I'm 22 years old and I'm walking onto this job site and I see all these power tools. So first and foremost, I'm like, cool, they look like Tonka trucks. This should be fun. And they make noise too, double trouble. <laughs> and But at the end of that first day, I looked back and realized that I had created something. I had built something. And and I was like, okay, we're breaking new ground now, Copernicus. Mm. We're, we're on to something because I, I was like, I could see the, the the effects and the result of, of the work of my hands. And, you know, I'm very much a student of psychology, even as a kid. And I was like, this is where, you know, I knew at that age that a hundred years ago, 90% of people worked with their hands. They were what we would consider the labor of manual labor today. It wasn't manual labor. That was life. Right. You know, it was in the land, like, like that was life. And that at that time it had flipped. Now, 10% of people work with their hands and 90% of people sit at a desk. Like it's mm -hmm. just this, this whole, this last hundred years has been rather remarkable as far as how things have shifted. Mm -hmm. So, so I ended up working for this company after a few you know months of building the same linear feet of, of uh, deck. I was again, stopping off at Shopper's Drug Mart to buy some laxative to slip into people's coffee just for my own personal amusement. <laughs> and, uh, and then the boss invited me into the backyard. Now here, this is kind of the important part of the story as a kid growing up. You know, there. You know, when I'm being sitting in this classroom, staring outside, wishing I could be outside. You know, finding out later that my brain comes from the the hunter of the hunter hunter gather societies. That's the ADHD brain is based from the like the the genome in the brain is the is the is the is the, is the 
the remnant of hunter-gatherer cultures where all of the things that would classify someone as being distractible or they're not good with time or, mm. you know, they're... There's a TV on in the room. They cannot look at it. Like they, you know, they lose their focus. Uh, you know, they they're spontaneous, impulsive. All of those are the qualities of someone that spends every day hunting for food for their family. Like you're out hunting in the woods, and you're going, uh, well, I'm hunting that rabbit over there, but I hear a rustling in the bushes, and I might be the subject of a very quick and painful death. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. All of those things would have been necessary. So knowing this, it helped me because I'm realizing I need to do what I love. And I ended up getting invited. My boss was like, okay, Paul's getting bored. So he brings me into this backyard one day and it's like, we're going to build this. We're going to build a deck. And I walked into the backyard and as the musician and the lover of Lego and the lover of people, right. those are my three things that have remained since I was a kid. Those three things, music, Lego, and humans are like, I am hyper-focused when it comes to those three topics. And I looked around and I was just like, no, no, this is all wrong. This is just a boring square box. These people need, when they come into the outside, into nature, they need to be able to be in a space where they are escaping the fastest moving culture in the history of humanity, where people are starting to get sick and die from stress-related diseases, which is like commonplace in Japan. And they need to know, we need to make this a draw. We got to move them away from their computers and the anxiety and the stress and move them out into the calming effects right. of nature. And, and I gave my boss all of this information of what we should be doing in one continuous run-on sentence. And then he turned to me and said, Paul, I've heard this before in my life and heard it many times since. Paul, please, for the love of God, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I realized exactly at that moment um, that that wasn't going to be possible. So I quit. And with no business training, no design training, and the common sense of a small pony, I started uh, cutting-edge construction design, which became Paula France Design, and that was 24 years ago. And we're now an international design firm and, you know, ended well, up and ending up on HCT, where people came and found me and said, hey, we should do a show around you. And I was like, sure, I'm weird enough. Let's do it. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Okay, well, a couple, so much, so much in there to unpack. Well, first one, I'll never, I'll never ask you to stop talking because uh, that's what we're here to do. So, and you've got fascinating stories, but also, I mean, I just want to, I have to be clear on this. You just, without really ever having any training, you just decided to open up your own design and building company. Did I, did I hear that right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's ADHD brain for you, pal. It's like, I just got to do this because I know I can't work for somebody else who is not going to listen to my ideas. Right. And I knew that I needed to be doing something that was going to make me come alive. Right. Otherwise I'll be a miserable person to be around. And it wasn't, it was three years in that the light clicked on where I actually understood what I was doing. Right. This guy came up to me one day after I'd built this guy, this, this crazy backyard and I heard him in his backyard and he's grabbing his big belt buckle you know, naked male insecurity 101 and being like, finally, my deck's as big as Roy's three doors down. Who's right. the man now? And I was like, oh my God, what have I gotten involved with here? I'm like perpetuating a, a insecure man keeping up with the Joneses mentality that said I'm done. And then my very good friend uh, at the time, who was kind of like a mentor to me, came up to me and said, uh, he said, Paul, you have no idea what you're doing here, do you? And I was like, this guy was a military vet. So I was like, you're going to tell me and I'm not going to argue. And he said, uh, you're creating places of rest for people in a world that's gone crazy. And the light bulb went on in my head. And I realized that I had, I, I had been 
tapping into the purpose of what I was doing and why I was so drawn to it for a while. But then it all became clear. And so for the past 21 years, that purpose of getting people in this insane culture we live in to understand the absolute vital necessity to connect with nature Mm -hmm. in order just to breathe, have perspective, like make decisions, like get out of your insanity, the insanity of your own environment, even if it's just stepping into a backyard space. And that's why when I create these backyard spaces, I'm creating them. I want someone to walk from their kitchen into their backyard. The kitchen is normally the exit point to the backyard, which is Grand Central Station Stress Room 101. Mm -hmm. That's where all the chaos is. And I want them to walk into Narnia. Like I want them to walk into that backyard space and feel like they've like they've left the world behind in order to maybe even ask a question like, what am I doing? I don't even like my job. I don't even, I don't, why do I care about getting the bigger car? Like, why do I care? Why am I, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing? And the feedback from my clients over the, the 21 years since I had my revelation, um, is the juice that keeps me going, right? And that's I still have get get, get just as much joy joy designing these these mm. backyard oases uh, that, that I did back in the day. The minute that I don't, then I'm going to be off chasing tornadoes. I mean, that's just uh, just everyone knows this. Well, that's a that's a logical <laughs> extension from building backyard decks to uh, yep. chasing tornadoes. I mean, I thought it's so interesting. You know, your approach or your uh, your uh, your trajectory to come into this. It's it's you know counterintuitive to anyone else that I may like as I I've been doing my own DI I'm a DIYer right so I've I I grew up with it my dad's got all the tools and I'm building my own repertoire you know we just like to tinker and we do things around and I've had contractors in and I love talking to them when they come in to do something and yeah. the trajectory tends to be that they they got in on a job at a young age and they started learning a little bit of a trade. Maybe they went to school and they they learned the trade there. And then eventually they kind of settle in on on a specific trade if it wasn't at one point just kind of a general melange of a whole bunch of things. And eventually they land in electrical or they land in plumbing or fine carpentry or something like that. But you had a, a, a like an epiphany first. You walked into a backyard and said, oh, my gosh. And then reverse engineered learning how to do the craft of making the thing that you want to do. I mean, that's to, I've, that's amazing to me. I find that fascinating. Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's very unusual. And I, and I like the unusual path. And it, it, it helps because I'm I'm guy that actually somehow managed to wade through all of the potential mental pitfalls. Like there's something wrong with you. Like your brain doesn't work the same as everyone else's. So you follow, you walk around with this like mental stigma that, that you know, you're, you're lesser than, um, it wasn't an, and it wasn't even an arrogant thing. I was just like, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's illogical. Like I'm, I'm just, whenever I'm recognizing something that's off the beaten track or something that should be questioned. And the opposition says, you don't question this. This is the way it's done. I just went, Hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, clearly you're not open to the conversation. So I'll just assume that I'm correct in assuming that there's something wrong because you're afraid to talk about it. Hmm. Uh, Do you find, uh, working in the backyard, is that, uh, and I know you don't just work in the backyard, but when you're, when you're working in your building, is that, was there a form of therapy behind that? Like when you're, when you're actually getting to sit down with where you mentioned how much you love Lego. Um, again, I, 
Yeah. I'm, I'm in that boat with you. My kids are also the same way. Like we just can spend hours just digging through the Lego box. And, and I know that, you know, cutting, sawing, fastening, all these things uh, for me, uh, and I, 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 I don't have ADHD, but I can so appreciate the therapeutic effect of just working with your hands. Like, is, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and assume that that's true for you too. Is that right? It couldn't be more true. And yeah. to kind of accentuate that point, one of the difficulties from say 2010 onward, now I'm doing what I was doing for, you know, uh, 12 years up to that point, leading to television, starting in filming in 2010, where what I was doing every day, I now had a camera in my face. The difficulty there was I couldn't just zone in on the building. So a lot of the, that building that I was doing with all the creativity that went into it, the stress level was, I wasn't able to enjoy the building factor because number one, I would start something yeah. and then even though I designed everything myself, often the day before, I would be out there building it and all of a sudden I'm on camera and then I have to be prepared and then I'm being taken away to another set and I never get to actually finish, like my crew is coming in to finish my designs, but I rarely did I get a chance to actually just start and right. finish the water feature or, or the complicated elements. So last summer, I have a guy local in town here, like we moved kind of out of the city in Toronto, we moved up to Georgian Bay with four daughters, pre-COVID, and uh, and this guy calls up just wanting a, a, a project done by Paula France Design from my company. And he was like, couldn't believe when I was going, I'm personally coming with like my best friend and my daughter's new boyfriend to build this deck in your backyard. And he was like, you know, this is a prank, right? Like he's waiting for Ashton Kutcher to, to jump out of the bush and telling him he's being punked. Like he was like, there's no way you're, you're actually coming. I'm like, yeah. It was the first project I was able to do. No cameras, nothing. Just five weeks of mm. me building. And I probably said five weeks, like probably seven full days of that, I was just there by myself building. Wow. And he kept like, became friends with those guys, but he's in the backyard, like like Paul LeFrance is in the backyard. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just a boy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a boy. Let me build. It was five weeks. And in that five weeks, I was probably... My stress level was at the lowest level it has been in as long as I could remember. Right. It was amazing. Just being out there in the quiet of a backyard, sawing, assembling, watching it come together and the therapy. It just it reminded me how much I miss just building, yeah. just creating in, in the other. And it's not the same inside. Like I, as much as I've done interior renovations throughout my whole career, mm-hmm. The, the reason why that outside has always been such a draw is number one, you do have the open canvas. You can't, you're not bound by walls and ceilings. Like, yeah, you're bound by setbacks and things like that from the townships, but the ability for creativity keeps the one side of my brain activated. But the purpose behind it hmm. of you are, you're creating these outdoor rooms for your clients that you know, they'll nod up and down when you say to them, this is what I'm going to do, but they won't know until they go out into the same backyard space they were at before, but they're walking out now and they're going, oh my gosh, this is more than just, you, you were right. You, you've done more than just assemble sticks of wood. You have created a, the, the staycation, the oasis, the, the outdoor retreat, the, 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 the haven, the, the space where I can go and breathe yeah. Or 
communicate with my wife or my husband for the first time in months, like have a conversation with my kids because I always stress, like leave the screens inside guys. Like, you know, like don't, don't, don't bring the technology out there. And I'm not anti-technology. I just, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's like, we don't know how to communicate, you know, unless we have this thing in front of our face. Right. So I I understand what I'm saying. No, I I really do actually. And you're, you're kind of, you're hitting on this, the topic of being, uh, finding that connection, uh, kind of more, you know, when I was prepping for this interview, I was, I was a little stymied because I'm like, okay, well, how are we going to, how are we going to bring this back around to connecting to the land? You know, I mean, um, you know, and I've been thinking about the connection and what it might mean in this case. And, you know, I'm like, well, suppose it, it allows more people to spend time outdoors, but you know, actually, this is something you've put a lot of time and thought into, you know, like every time we take over a space, either on our own property or in nature, we're affecting it in some way, right? I mean, there there becomes a new balance. And it sounds like that that is something that you often put into your design, like it factors into your decision making process. Oh, for sure. I mean, and that's why I'm like, also a huge advocate of green technology and yeah. using products that are like, 95% recycled decking, for instance, like that type of stuff and products that aren't going to decay and end up in a landfill. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, those are kind of like no brainers, right? Those are the no brainers, but my perfect uh, description, which would not be in like, you know, the manual for describing what a deck is. Like I'm, I'm not a deck builder. I'm, a, I'm an outdoor living space transformer. You know, that's, hmm. that's, uh, yeah. And <laughs> the true definition of what a deck is, is it creates this natural transition between your natural environment and your home so that you can take in the natural environment. So that the natural, even if you're in the middle of a city and I can give you a horse blinder view of the only spot of sky that you can see, but I draw your eye to that and and create visual distractions, you know, from everything else around you and then add some water in, in, into it to take your, your, so your ears hear the water as opposed to the traffic and add light night. Like it's just, it's, it's Everything is meant to decompress you, calm you and connect you to the much larger picture. Like we are destructive by nature and just watching what's happening in the world around us and just the sheer unadulterated ignorance of what we're doing and to the planet and the concept of what's going to, how things are going to affect our children and our children's children. It's amazing how even someone that you would consider to be conscientious, is just like, just brains are just not programmed to even ponder that. It's like, Oh, it'll be fine. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not be fine. Yeah. Like the only thing I can do is create the draw, the psychological draw to the outdoor space from the inside of the house to get you out there, right? Because human beings mm-hmm. will follow the path of existence. So I, I will create something beautiful and I'll always create something that gives you a definitive focal point from inside the house that you can see from inside the house. So it can fight against your computer telling you, you have 27 emails you have to answer before yeah, 8 right. p.m. tonight or a meteorite's going to hit you or you're going to get explosive <laughs> diarrhea. Some bad's going to happen. Like, <laughs> If there's nothing to fight that, we follow the bright light. You know? Right. That's what yeah. we do. Uh, the explosive diarrhea from Paula France spiking your coffee yes. with laxatives. Uh, <laughs> comedy, reincorporation, first rule. Um, <laughs> but I want to, I mean, there's a couple of things I want to come back to, but you had, uh, I mean, 
I wonder if this this ethos, this concept that you have between bridging the gap between your indoor living space and sort of the uh, nature that's beyond your back door, is that a concept that you have to sort of have a have a, a conversation with your clients about? Like, is this something people are even thinking about when they're just like, no, uh, Paul, I just I just want to have you know a, a ten by eight space out the patio doors here, and that'll do fine. And you go, oh my god, I'm not the guy for you. Or you know what, actually. You know, friend, let's have a conversation about what you actually can do and what that'll look like. I find it to be incredibly easy. I know that universally we all are drawn to calm, peace, serenity, tranquility, the ability to turn our brains off. Like I've never seen anyone being like, I hate relaxed. Like I, I, I don't want peace. I want turmoil. Like, you know, yeah, you know, right. I'll I'll sit that person down under a heavy light and and get it out of them that they're crap. Like it's just that's not true. Um, but also, it's very important to understand that this, one of my other mantras is that if you're looking at human beings in the broadest stroke of, of generalities, most human beings are walking well aware that the average other person outside their circle is unaware of their own personal story. But the real tragedy is the belief that nobody wants to know. Nobody cares. Like nobody, nobody cares what your story is. But what I have found to be completely and utterly proven to me to be true is the fact that when someone sits down and looks at another person and goes, I want to know your story. I want to know what makes you tick and what's brought you to this place in life and what you need like for moving forward. First of all, they're waiting for you to look at your watch and be like, as long as it's not going to take too long, because I've got a tea time in like three minutes. Right? You know, they look at you like, are you are you being serious? Are you really <laughs> asking me that question? Are you really wanting to know? Yeah. And when they're talking to me, because Lego, music, people, when they look at me and they're seeing that like a, a, a freight train can go behind my head when I'm asking some of that question and I will not break focus. I'm like, that information is so important to me because... When I understand that, and then I'm moving to create something that is extremely personal to that story, people are like, they don't even realize how easy the decision is for them. It's right. that there's something like, first of all, you're not the average contractor. That's for darn sure. Like, you know, that, that, that sails out the window within the first few minutes because I never had business training or design training. I never walked into people's houses with a golf shirt on, you know, with the logo of my company on my breast and, and, and being, and being friendly, but not familiar, you know, spend some time, but not too much time. I'd walk into people's houses and, you know, within the first five minutes, they would know I would breach the gap. I would be like my four daughters. I'm not the contractor. I'm a dad. And I'm also an immature Peter Pan child. And I just love doing this. So, so now the professionalism is blown right out the right out the window. It's gone. Right. So then they're like, who's this character? You know? And then comically I'll ask very inappropriate questions like, Who are you? Tell me about your soul. You know, <laughs> tell me about your pain. And people are like, what the hell? So one of two things happens. You know, one of them is call 911. You know, we have a crazy person in our house. There's always that potential. But the absolute norm is people sit down and they're like, you actually really are authentic when you're saying that you want to create something for us. Like you, I'm like, hmm. if it's not authentic, I can't do it. Yeah. My ADHD brain is my best friend because if I'm not interested, the blood physiologically is not flowing in the front portion of my brain. It moves to the back. It's what, it's the greatest gift I could have been given to be truly authentic with people because I can't fake being, I can't sell. I'm not a salesperson. Right. right? 
my definition of sale is guiding somebody into something they already want and you just kind of help them get there. That's it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, Paul, this is such a treat talking to you. We haven't even scratched the surface of actually the ABCs of deck building, which is what I thought maybe we would talk about, but I, I actually find that what we're getting into is this is far more interesting. But I feel like uh, we should do a little bit of due diligence here because uh, we are we're approaching summer now, and you know, believe it or not, depending on where you live in Canada, and uh, and if we've learned anything from the pandemic from last summer is that folks they're going to want to spend more time outside and in their backyards. So I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there that are considering building a deck or planning to build a deck and design it. And I'm wondering uh, if you have some, maybe just give us some advice about the beginners who are out there who are considering on building or planning a deck, a, a brand new deck. Let's start there. So this is a new build. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think the first and foremost, I am like all for, if somebody has the ability to build their own deck and with the information out there, like, you know, in an information society, like, you know, YouTube, just, it's amazing. We can learn anything, you know, you can learn to, you can learn to speak Mandarin, like online, like it's just, the information is there. Right. So for those who would be, who know that they could, but are intimidated, I'm like, go for it, like, go for it. But before you build something, be, don't be like, so I know, here's the example. I know that if I was to do your taxes for you, you'd end up in prison fairly quickly. I mean, I just, that's just not, you know, that's just not what I do. I mean, right. when I look at the tax sheet, I'm like, if my wife wasn't here, I would probably already be, you know, in some sort of C block somewhere. Um, the importance is you don't want to look back at what you built, whether you have someone build it or you built it yourself and go, damn, I never thought of that. I wish I had done this. Mm. Or I wish I had, I wish I'd known this beforehand. So, having something designed for you is probably the first and foremost thing that I'll share with people. Yeah. And is that self-serving because, you know, every project I do begins with the design. I'm a design firm first and then the builder second, like we, we do both, but I'm, I design for people all, you know, all over the world. And because of the concept of saying, look, let me design something for you to within the realms, your parameters, like in, you know, I, there's this thing called a budget that most people have heard of and, and, and can relate to. Like, yeah, of course. But when you are looking at what's being created afterwards, you know, on a large scale or a small scale and go, this looks amazing and I built it myself, as opposed to, you know, I'm going to build this massive, huge platform so I have a place to stand on outside, you know, and have a table and a couch. Like, it's just like, no. It's about quality of square footage over quantity. Mm. A lot of guys who are massive monstrosity backyard projects that don't have, like, the amount of money they spent on the large deck, they could have spent 50, 60, 70% of that investing some money into design and have something that's a, that's like, wow, that has that Narnia feel and still be able to build it themselves. Right. Like, yeah. And it'd be and it'd be less money overall outlay because of the, the you know the uh, you know particularly now with with COVID with construction prices going through the roof like material prices you know I'm hoping that'll all level off sooner than later but get it designed that's first okay that'd be first second is understanding that you could have two identical houses I mean the same model from the builder right and they could be on either side of the street. And if they're on either side of the street, that means that the sun is going to affect those two backyards very differently. 
So it will never be the same design mm-hmm. on this side of the street as it would be on this side of the street, even if it's twins, even if it's like, like literally absolute twins. They're like the Sedin twins, you know, playing for Vancouver. Like they are the exact same human being with identical stats. It's still going to be a different design because they're <laughs> right. on different sides of the street, right? And so understanding how the sun affects the yard, understanding whether you're a sun or a shade person. So you have to ask, you know, when people have initial conversations with me, it's like the Spanish Inquisition. Like I am asking them questions and I'm forcing them to convince themselves of the things they want. You know, people are like, I want a pool. And I'll be like, no, maybe you don't. They're like, oh, what do you mean? Maybe I don't. Yes, like, of course I do. And I'll be like, okay, I want you to convince me. Otherwise I'm not doing my job. You got to know why you want something and know that you're going to use it. So you're not going to be like, oh, we never really use it. It's like how many people put a bar in their basement and then it ends up becoming a storage unit because they, they're like, we have a bar in the basement because it's the thing to do. And then right. <laughs> they're like one of them here that they plan just so they could say that they're using the bar. Like it's just, it, it, you know, they move all the boxes out of the way and be like, look at our bar. And it's like, it's, it's silly. You know, right. We don't need, we don't end up using these things we create. I want to make sure that people are going to use, and I mean really use it, like putting a grill in the backyard. Number one reason you're going to go outside is to use your barbecue. But the barbecue is the number one most misplaced item in a backyard, followed closely by a hot tub. Because people go, well, there's a gas line. I guess it just goes here. Uh. And being like, well, for the number one reason you're going to go outside, because even if it's bad weather, you know, you're going to go and you know grill up your steaks and then bring them in, in the house. Um, or go out there in the middle of January if you're like mm-hmm. one of those guys. And for that not to be done in a way that we wouldn't accept it in our, in our own personal kitchen, something that doesn't the design elements or how it's being made and created does not ju- is, doesn't line up with the amount of times you're using it, right? It's like why pe- people not investing in their master bedrooms where they spend a third of their lives is like mind blowing to me. It's like this is a third of your life is in this room, <laughs> right? Yeah. This should be amazing. This should be an amazing space. You should walk into your bedroom and be like, oh, have arrived. Like you know, it should be the most tranquil space where everything else in the world shuts down. And after that, it's followed. Very, it, your master bathroom should be amazing too, followed very closely by your backyard. Like this mm. is particularly in Canada, where we have you know use of the backyard for the middle a minimal amount of time, which is also why I'll create places in the backyard where you can use it in the winter. And then you know I say that to people in Edmonton and they just start crying. Like you can really use a backyard in the winter time. I'm like, yeah, you can. <laughs> you know, let me create a little ten by ten studio in the back. That can be your man cave or your or your your painting room or like a Murphy bed where you can have campouts with the kids. And people are like, what? Like, what are you talking about? I could go on forever on how we're still stuck in the mindset of the deck just has to be this thing off the back of the house. I'm like, I almost every design I have, I do will have something further out into the yard, you know, unless you have a tremendous view. Mm-hmm where you're turned around and you're actually facing, you're in an area of the property that you rarely ever go, where you're turning back and you're looking at your own house from a distance. Yeah. And going, now I'm looking at my life in a box and going, what's the perspective? When my wife and I decided to move up to Georgian Bay, it was a part of 95% of our decision making that happened between like, you know, late March to, to mid-November when we were in this little 10 by 10 space at the back of our property, you know, it was very cool 10 by 10 space at fire features and heaters and like the retractable awnings and a little waterfalls going over a pond. Like it was really cool. It was only 10 by 10 quality over quantity. Right. But in that backyard space, it was turned to face our house from a distance to give us that perspective. And every major decision we made 
was on that back deck. We'd, we'd go out there with a glass of wine or a glass of scotch and we would just talk and be like, okay, so what do we want to do? Because we were just out of the environment, right? Yeah. I encourage people to take that into account, all of these things, instead of just going out there and just building what everyone else has built. Because it sucks when you spend money on something and spend time building it and then go, they have enough regrets in life. Let's not, let's not add when the backyard is even, has had more focus than ever, which is a complete shock to me. Like I, w- I wanted everyone to slow down ages ago. And I didn't think that, you know, a global pandemic would just slam the brakes on the entire culture. And I was like, well, this isn't what I meant. It's like, it's an opportunity, <laughs> but I certainly didn't see this coming, you know, but damn, don't have regrets about that. Like create, even if it's the smallest of spaces, you can yeah. make that space amazing. Uh, dude, I love your philosophy on all of this. It's, uh, you know, it's a line drive down the center of, uh, of what I'm looking for. So, um, we've, we've run out of time. We could do a whole a couple other podcasts on, you know, being a musician and doing what you're doing and, and also actually getting into the nuts and bolts or the, the deck screws of, of building a backyard deck. But, um, uh, we've come to the end of this one and what a conversation. It's been great, Paul. Thanks so much. Ian, pleasure. Connected to the Land is a PV Industries podcast produced by Village Sound, and I'm your host, Ian Sherwood. A special thanks to this episode's sponsor, PV Mart, the 100% Canadian-owned, down-to-earth retail chain. You can find more information on PV Mart as well as this episode's guest at connectedtotheland.info. Our affiliated website and a great resource for homesteading, farming, and all things connected to the land. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.